Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Carlson. On The Formula, I share my experiences, experiments, and conversations around designing a filling life and whatever form that means for you. Uh, this is going to be part two with Hatchlings founder and uh, entrepreneur, Brad Dwyer. So if you missed the, the first part of the interview with Brad, Check out the show notes and make sure and listen to that before you listen to part two. We're really pumped to, uh, to drop this second part of the interview with Brad. So let's hear a quick word from our sponsors and get this show on the road. Formula Podcast wouldn't be possible without some uh, some pretty awesome sponsors that are willing to, to support the show. So the first sponsor has been with us for quite some time. That's Lady Boss. They provide women's workouts and health supplements to help women live healthier lives. Now, if you're interested in checking out any of their workouts or their supplements, go ahead and head to theformulapodcast.com and check out our sponsored products page. Now, our second sponsor just got started with us here recently. That's Liquid Web. Now, if you've listened to any of our episodes with like Adrian or Ketsu or anybody that's doing any type of drop shipping or e-commerce, Liquid Web has some e-commerce solutions to help you get a store up and running ASAP. And they were uh, willing to actually give 33% off to people who listen to the Formula Podcast. So when you go to liquidweb.com and check out their products, Make sure and type in Formula 33 when you check out to get 33% off. Big thanks to them for for hooking us up and uh, keeping this show rolling. That's all from our sponsors. Now, let's do this thing. So we've got kind of like the two sides of the company right now. We've got the hatchling side and the jigsaw puzzle side. And we're trying to figure out how to keep hatchlings growing and how to like hit the virality side on the jigsaw puzzle game so that we can have those be another like leg of the stool. Um, And kind of as this process happened. Last year, Apple launched uh, some augmented reality stuff, yeah. and I got super interested in that. And uh, spent a good chunk of last summer working on an augmented reality app called Magic Sudoku. Yeah, I remember this game. <laughs> yeah, so like, what I realized is like I was having so much more fun working on that and on the augmented reality and machine learning stuff than I was on the game side of things. Yeah. That like I really wanted to keep working on that. And it's, it's tough when you have this like bigger company with people that, like, make their living and like that you have to pay payroll and like I wanted to spend my time doing this other thing um, and so we kind of like as a team came together and we're talking about like you know what does the future of this company look like and how does augmented reality fit into the game side of things and it when it basically came down to it like the rest of the team was like listen Brad <laughs> we get that you're really passionate about this augmented reality stuff but we signed up for the game side of this company and uh we kind of want to keep working on that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And kind of like the discussion ended up being like, if we split these, like split this into something different and like that's what I really want to be working on, like what happens with hatchlings. And uh, the team was like, EB has like kind of a cool vision for the future of like where the game side of this company would go. And she's super passionate about it. And like, what if you went and did this other thing on your own. Like, no offense, but we probably don't need you for this game side of things. And what if we went this other way and kept building the game company? And so that's kind of been like, that's what 2018 has been for us, is this year of transition where I'm trying to like take myself and 
and like take my knowledge and transfer that out of that out of my head into other team members. So we've doubled the size of the team this past year and kind of like basically replaced me. We named EB as the new CEO of Hatchlings nice. and we've been working on like this succession plan and planning for what how Hatchlings is going to keep growing and expanding and doing the game thing and then hopefully that'll free me up to end up doing this augmented reality startup now is what I'm thinking of it as. Um, I'm still kind of in like a experimental, like I don't know where that's going to go yet, but I know that I'm really interested in augmented reality and machine learning and want to go yeah. like try this new thing after 10 years of games. I'm ready to like yeah. move on to something else. Yeah, it's kind of like you're able to play again, try to experiment on new things, which yeah. is probably a little more exciting than maintaining the same product yeah. and building. I, I remember the, the Magic Sudoku thing, because I, I played tons of Sudoku, yeah. and I saw it come out, and I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And, um, but I'm curious, where do you think it's going to go from here? Like, being able to do Sudoku puzzles by just like having an app on your phone? Yeah. Um, uh, so, I think so the things that a lot of augmented reality apps are doing right now aren't all that compelling to me. Um, like. It's cool to have Pokemon Go where it can just like put a Pokemon on the street corner and like that adds a little bit to the experience of that game. But I think the reason that game took the world by storm wasn't the quote AR experiences. It was like the geolocation, like exploring the real world thing. I think that the AR was just a tiny component of that. Yeah. And I think most AR apps are kind of like that right now. It's like a novelty of like I can throw a 3D model into the real world. I think what's going to be transformative in the future is the machine learning and computer vision side of things. So our devices that we're carrying around with us now are starting to be able to execute machine learning models and that they're getting better and better every day. And I think the real paradigm shift is that our devices are starting to understand what they're looking at and prov like provide contextual information and activity around that. And so um, like with Magic Sudoku, the app itself is kind of a novelty, but it's kind of a, a demonstration of what we can do when our devices understand what they're looking at. When, when the app finds a Sudoku puzzle in the, in the real world, it can like, take that knowledge that it's a Sudoku puzzle, do some processing on it, and then like, make, it, make a paper puzzle smart by overlaying stuff on top of it in augmented reality. And I think that in the future that we're going to see a lot more of that, where it's because our devices understand what they're looking at, they're going to be able to to do things that computers haven't been able to do before in the past. In layman's terms, you're basically going to be able to take your phone or an app or something like that. It's going to be able to recognize what you're looking at, and then the the processes that take place or the interaction with it is going to be it's going to be like oh well, it's kind of like with Snapchat with like and you point the camera at someone's face, they recognize that it's a face, and you can right. you know, wear glasses or whatever. So right. you're, you're thinking that it's going to be more like that's going to take place in other industries as well. Yeah, so what I've been like kind of playing with in my mind is like using computer vision and augmented reality to make dumb things smart. And yeah. so if you think of a face as like a non-computerized dumb thing, yeah. like you can make it smart once you understand what it is. And for a face what what being smart might be is like I know who this person is and so I can add all this contextual information around it of like where you met them, who they are, like links to their social media accounts, those yeah. sorts of things. Um, but basically if you look around the room, you could do that with any object. Um, traditionally the way that we make like smart appliances is you stick a microchip inside of them. But in the future I think the way that we'll make things smart is that our computers are just going to understand what they are and turn them into smart things by adding um, computing power on top of them through the device rather than the device itself being smart. Yeah. 
So the the question that came came in my head when you were talking about the the face part, I'm like, should we go there? Should yeah. we do that? That's I don't know. What do you think? So privacy concerns are a very real thing. Um, I think the cat's really out of the bag on that one. I think yeah. whether whether we want that to happen or not is largely irrelevant. So like if you look at China and you look at what they're doing with their like vast neural network, they have. I think it's something like a billion security cameras that are now all wired into this central computer, and they're doing facial recognition on this massive scale. Mm -hmm. And it's in a lot of ways scary, but in a lot of ways, like it, it can it could enable a lot of cool things. So, like I think a lot of the protections that we need are like on the governmental side of like regulating like who can use this data and like how it can be used and that sort of thing. But I think if you if we re rewound 20 years and we told everybody that you were going to have a listening device that was always on in your pocket and everybody was going to have one of these, I think they would have had the same sort of reaction, right? But now we all carry around cell phones without even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and so I think like these dystopian views of the future are, e it's easy to like see the downsides of things, but it's a lot harder to imagine all the ways in which our lives are better. Like I don't think anybody would have taken the trade off of, you can have a computer in your pocket 20 years ago in exchange for, oh, but it's going to be listening to everything that you say. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think a lot of people would have taken that trade-off, but what we've learned is that like the benefits of that have been so vast that people yeah. have kind of been willing to give up like some sense of privacy in exchange for these extra features yeah. and abilities in their life. Yeah, access to basically limitless, yeah. almost limitless knowledge at any point in time. Right. And, you know, all the apps, games, all yeah. that stuff. So I think there's a lot of responsibility involved in making sure that, like, those trade-offs aren't too much and that we're yeah. not purposely moving ourselves into a dystopia. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in China with their system. So, I mean, sounds like you have a lot coming, coming up, like, with innovation and creating new things in the AR world. Uh, I mean, I know I've asked you for business advice in the past. I know I'm sure a lot of other people have through mentor programs or, or uh, the Iowa Startup Accelerator. Uh, you know, what do you typically tell people who want to start their own their, their own tech startup or start their own mobile app company? I think you should really think about like why you want to start a company, um, and like I don't know. I think a lot of people start a company just because they think it's a cool thing to do and like actually taking a step back and thinking about like is this something that I really want to do um, and would want to do for 10 years um, is an important thing to do. Yeah, I, I think that why question is really important because if I, if I think back to when I was working on the first, my first attempts at starting a startup, um, at that point in time I wasn't really thinking through that. I was just like, oh, this is going to be cool. Yeah. And it's, it's like cool to start a startup or start an app or whatever. But I never thought through, okay, let's say this works. Is this what I really want to spend my time on? And I think my instant reaction would be like, oh, yeah, of course. But I'm thinking about like the idealized version of it where it launches as successful and then, you know, profit, I guess. And, yeah. But not really, is this, like, if I had to choose, I, I think a lot about if I'm 80 years old and I'm looking back, how do I wish I would have spent my time? Is this what I would choose to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the other way too of like a lot of people start with the startup idea and not with the like customer and like the use case idea. And so I think Y Combinator is pretty famous for saying like the worst thing that you can do as a startup is build something that nobody wants to use. Yeah. Um, and so starting the other way, like if you found a problem in the world that needs to be solved, like that's a lot better way to create a startup than to like be brainstorming like what are the startup ideas that I can do. Yeah, it's. 
it's uh, you know doing the whole doing things that don't scale. Uh, it's it's funny because I, I hear I've heard some really awesome advice and I've heard some just terrible advice and I think finding a customer is mo almost more important than whatever your product ends up being. Uh, there was I remember there was these guys they were working on some app and they're putting together these in-person events and they're making people pay for them and then while they were there they were getting them to download their app and a bunch of people told them to stop doing the events even though they were getting app downloads and money to pay their bills. They're like, you just need to focus on the app. And I was like, no, no, people are paying them. They're paying their bills. Yeah. They're able to fund this thing. Yeah, maybe they need to get rid of the app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like I, I don't know why you would tell people to remove um, income. You know what I mean? Like, if you have something that's working, I mean, focus is important, but it's also important to, you know, I mean, I, unless you want to live in your mom's basement while you're building yeah. your startup, but, yeah. uh, or, or you're already um, independently wealthy. Um, so if you had to go, if you had to go back to the beginning of Hatchlings and you had to sit down and talk with with Brad at that point in time, I think you were what twenty then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Um, what would you tell him? What, what advice would you give him as he's building the company? I think it's actually probably back to that same advice or same lesson that I learned from the DocX converter that we were talking about earlier was like think bigger and longer term. Mm -hmm. um, and so by a lot of metrics, like Hatchlings has been very successful and like definitely for me personally, it's been like life changing. Like I, I've never had a real job like in my entire life to this point, which <laughs> that's a really like cool thing. Yeah. Um, but even though like it's been successful and like if you looked at Hatchlings and like this Easter egg hunt and like that we have you know gotten 15 million users worldwide over the years, if you put that in perspective by looking at some of our competitors that started at the same time, like we are a very small fish. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of that just goes back to me not having enough vision and like um, foresight to like see how you how we could have grown bigger. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember Zynga, like they're yeah. they're now one of the quote like biggest failures in Silicon Valley, but they're still worth like $3 billion in market cap. They're a publicly traded company. They started only a couple of months before us and were in the Facebook game market. And I remember reading the TechCrunch article where they raised $100 million in venture capital. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I laughed out loud reading that article about how silly these people were to be raising $100 million and why the heck do they need $100 million to create Facebook games? Like, I'm just a guy sitting in my dorm room and I'm doing it like, and we have millions of users, like why do you need $100 million for that? Well, what they had realized was kind of the same thing that, that I had was Facebook had launched this ad platform and you could acquire a user for 15 cents and they, like, they were worth over a dollar. And so it was basically just a money printing machine. Mm -hmm. And um, they saw that you know Facebook had hundreds of millions of users. If they could acquire all those hundreds of millions of users, they could be a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. And so they raised $100 million in venture capital and did exactly that. They plugged into Facebook ads, acquired hundreds of millions of users, and grew into a multi-billion dollar company. Um, whereas I was still sitting there like, this could implode at any minute. Like, how do I like, like extract as much value right now as I can because like this might not be here next week? Um, they were thinking about the future and investing in the future. And I think that those two different mindsets of me being very like short-term focused of like, what am I gonna do today, tomorrow, and next week? And then being like thinking, how do I grow this into an empire over five or 10 years? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the divergence in like how our two companies ended up is because of that mindset and that, um, 
like short-term versus long-term thinking. So if I was gonna go back and like give myself advice back then, it was don't worry about that worst case scenario where like this just like goes poof tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like try and at least like shoot for something big, right? And who yeah. knows if if instead of like trying to be as lean as possible and spend as little money as possible, if I had hired a team back then to like focus on expanding out and making sure our servers didn't crash, that we could spend more money on ads so we could acquire more users and just like keep that snowball rolling while the door was open, um, I think we could have been a lot more successful. Yeah, it's, it's almost, uh, like, somebody gave me that advice the other day, I was talking with Peter Awood, he's like, he, we were having this conversation, he's like, man, sounds like you're playing small. And I was like, oh shit, he's right. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's actually, it's not just, it's almost like looking at what it could be and then kind of planning out that five or 10 years instead of like, okay, well, you know, how can we get the most money today or what do I need to do today or to get to the end of the month? Uh, it's kind of thinking forward a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is the last question for you. If you had to leave the audience with one last message, what would it be? Like I said, I was saying in that last question, just, yeah, think big and dream big and try and make something really huge. And if you fail at making something huge and just make something pretty big, that's better than trying to make something small and ending up with something medium-sized. Yeah, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to part two with the interview with entrepreneur and Hatchlings founder, Brad Dwyer. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you learned a few things that maybe you can apply to, to your life or to your company, whatever, whatever uh, form that uh, Brad's advice fits your life. I, I hope that there was a few takeaways for you. Now, if you could do us a quick favor, and I feel like a broken record at this point, I apologize for that. But if you could head on over to your podcast app, I mean, even if you just check us out on Facebook, that's just uh, the Formula Podcast on Facebook.com. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. That, uh, that really lets me know if we're headed the right direction on the show, if you're enjoying our content, if, uh, if we should continue down this path. And it also helps people like you find the show. So if you could give us a few minutes to let us know what you think, we will be very, very grateful. Anyways, that is a wrap for this week's show, and I look forward to, uh, to you dropping by next time.